You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another weekly wrap-up here from Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us again today is Eric Sprott. Eric, happy Friday. Hey, Craig. Good to be with you again. Had a sort of an interesting week here. Not over, but uh, things are, I think, looking up. Certainly has been another interesting week as time goes by, and it's kind of marked here at the end of the week with really about the most important economic data point we've seen this week, which is the first revision to U.S. GDP came in a little bit higher than what folks thought. It seems on uh, less inventory liquidation, as if that has anything to do with anything, but it was enough to get it revised slightly higher. Gold's about 12.30 this morning, and we're now barreling towards the the next installment of the most important FOMC meeting of all time coming up in two weeks. Uh, as we look forward, Eric, what uh, what do you expect as, as we as we move toward that FOMC in a couple of weeks? Well, uh, first of all, I, I'm not a great believer in the economic numbers that uh, are produced by most countries, including the U.S. Um, I, I don't really believe that GDP was up uh, 1%. You just look at the comments from the various companies uh on their, their outlooks, uh, the Kansas City Fed came out and it was just a disaster and the order books are down and, and uh, production's down, employment's down. In my mind, everything's been weak. We had a hor- horrendous consumer confidence report. New home sales were down 9% in, uh, I think it was January. Uh, the ISM services index, I think, went into, into uh, had a very large account. I think it might have gone into contractionary mode. So, Fine, we could say GDP was whatever it was in the fourth quarter. We know that it was a weak quarter. You can just tell by the, the store sales and things like that. So I wouldn't put much credence in those numbers. And, of course, it doesn't matter what happened, you know, last year. It happens what's going to happen this year. And so far, I would say all the economic trends throughout the world are negative. And probably the worst situation is in Asia where you get, these uh, export and import numbers coming out in places like South Korea, Japan, China, and they're all down double digits. So we're in a, um, I don't even know what you'd call it, certainly a recession verging on a depression if this kind of uh, uh, numbers keep coming out of the uh, come out of, uh, Asia. It, it's hard to believe the Fed would attempt to raise rates again, though some would argue they didn't even do it last time with the way rates have come down since they did. But nonetheless, that'll be the focus in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, uh, prices continue higher. We've got gold at about 1230 this morning. And I wanted to ask you about this: these massive inflows we've seen in some of these ETFs. The GLD has uh, magically come up with about 120 metric tons just in the last six weeks, almost 30 metric tons just this week. What do you think of that trend? Is that uh, supportive of gold? Is that a good sign? Well, I think it's the most relevant data point that uh, us uh, gold believers should uh, focus on. Uh, I think we chatted last week about how the numbers were around 100 tons a month. Uh, we've already had 160 tons in the month of February. Uh, we only mine ex-China, ex-Russia, 220 tons a month. Because <laughs> hmm. uh, then China and Russia don't export their gold. That's why I go to that number. Um, so these kinds of trends, these, these are just impossible numbers uh, for people to actually deliver from gold production because it's only one factor. Here we have the ETFs. I think last week I said, you know, we have about a 1,338-ton delta so far this year, which has actually now gone even higher in a 4,000-ton market. 
Uh, so people have put $800 billion into gold through various ETFs, not just the GLD, but other ETFs uh, throughout the world. And uh, God forbid that this rate continues because somebody has to supply the gold. It can't come from normal mining because we were in balance last year. You know, of all the 220 tons produced, it was all consumed. But now we have this new player, this and the investors coming in and demanding 1,300 of the 4,000 odd tons that we have. And that means somebody's not getting the 1,300 tons they bought last year. Last year, and I don't know what is. Coin sales are moving up. Um, Jewelry's kind of hanging in there. So it, the gold has to be being supplied by Western central banks. It's always been my contention, and many others, of course, that the Western central banks have surreptitiously leased their gold out to provide the supply. But they may look at this trend and just say, you know, it's over. And what's the point of trying to keep, keep massaging the price of gold down when we know we're going to lose all of those? So I think that is by far... Uh, the most important thing to watch on a daily basis, just see how much money keeps pouring in the gold here. Because pretty well everybody in the world now has a reason to own gold because most currencies are depreciating, most economies are weakening, most banking systems are weakening. So and we have negative interest rates, which causes people to take money out of banks, and you can either choose to keep the cash or maybe buy gold. If you're Japanese and you're worried about your currency going down, you buy gold. I mean, there's so many different reasons um, for owning gold here that are all on the playing field right now that um, this demand for gold through the ETFs is, I think, a manifestation of all those things put together. You know, and Eric, it seems in the West, the key is the price. We've had this this uh, 17% rally in gold so far in 2016, and that's obviously driving this investment demand for gold and in and, and all, of, all of its forms. But we're being fought again tooth and nail by the big banks on the COMEX where, where price seems to be discovered the most. Uh, once again, they're adding to short positions like crazy, doing everything they can to supply fresh paper to meet the speculator demand and, and, and quash and control the demand and the rising price. This is particularly egregious in silver where the net position of the silver banks is the largest it's been since 2008 and price isn't even at $16. What do you think's going on there, Eric? Is that a sign of, of, well, of pressure cooking in silver? Well, I think that that is the Achilles heel of the uh, the uh, commercial banks. Because I mean, their short position is eight hundred over eight hundred million ounces, and uh, you know, world production is eight or nine hundred million ounces a year, and theoretically, only a couple of hundred of that goes into uh, investment. So here we've got these investors short four years of investment demand. And the price of silver has been kind of punk these days. And I, I, I think they're, what they're trying to do is get through option expiry, which on the LBMA is uh, Monday. We also had the COMEX option expiry on um, Wednesday, which in essence was a failure for the commercials because most of the options, the call options, would have expired in the month, which is a, truly a rarity. Normally, you can hammer it down so that all the options expire worthless. But uh, this time, the option holders would have... Uh, would have made some pretty serious gains at the expense of the commercials. Uh, the risk to the commercials, I mean, the dollar rise in the price of silver is an $800 million loss. That is not small potatoes even for a commercial bank. And um, as I mentioned before, uh, something like um, $8 billion has gone into the, uh, into the gold uh, ETFs. Imagine if just a part of that went into 
uh, silver. We have something like 25 million ounces of silver at the COMEX. I mean, it costs all of $400 million to clean up the COMEX. Like, that is, that's one-twentieth of the eight billion uh, put into gold this month, this month. Hmm. I mean, it's, so if people ever, if the investors started moving into silver, which I think they are, by the way, um, and, and we have had the dealer inventory fall this week by 3 million ounces the other day, I mean, we could see solar really get going here. And I, I would note that, uh, for example, the uh, silver sales at the Mint uh, last year, they were at 3 million in the month of February. This year, they're going to be something like 5 million. Even the gold sales, which were 19,000 in February 15, are going to be 90,000 plus um, uh, this month. So you can see people are, the individuals, the institutions, the piling into gold, we have more technical analysts coming on side. We got more mining uh, people in in major institutions talking about owning gold. I mean, there's really a tsunami of of interest here. We've seen the stocks go up by sixty seven percent since Jan nineteenth. I mean, there's a veritable bull market going on in gold here. And yes, the fight goes on, as you've said. We'll watch how the cart reports work. out. I thought the most interesting thing about the cart report last week is. There seemed to be a bifurcation between the commercials who are long and short. Because the longs added significantly to their position, the commercial longs. Mm-hmm. But the commercial shorts, of course, had to add huge position to their shorts. So we might have a bifurcation here where certain commercial banks are thinking that gold's going up here, because probably because they were sitting there watching the trends of people buying. And uh, so it will be interesting to see uh, what comes out later this afternoon. I'd love to see the the commercial longs again build their long position, and of course now now they got to fight the speculators and the commercial longs. So it it could be quite a battle shaping up here. Uh, it, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's an interesting point that those banks, uh, particularly J.P. Morgan, it seems on the sh- on the silver side, already have such a huge short position that they're left with no choice but to defend it with even more shorts because every dollar that silver goes up, it it cost them a lot of money. I like that idea. And even when you look at, for example, the, uh, the the February sales is referring to. I mean, here we have like fifty five times more silver sold by the U.S. Mint than gold in in ounces. Fifty times more. We only produce about eleven times more silver ounces than gold. So uh, I, this, these trends can't continue. I mean, something's going to break somewhere here, and I I think they use silver to keep a lid on gold, quite frankly, because silver is easier to knock down. And people see the silver price going down, they think, well, maybe the gold price will go down. That's such a small market that uh, the commercial banks have more ability to uh, affect the price in the very short term and, and try to keep a lid on gold. But it looks like there's going to be no lid kept on gold and or silver ultimately here. Let's hope so. Hey, I have one last question for you. I've had several people uh, ask me on my site if I would uh, relay this to you. And it has to do with your funds, uh, the PSLV and the PHYS. Uh, You know, they're both 100% backed by physical metal, and they're both redeemable by the shareholder. Do you get concerned as we're approaching what clearly seems to be uh, a global inflection point of supply and demand in the metals? Do you ever get concerned about big institutions signing up for your funds and, and just outright rating them for the metal? Is, is, is that anything that, uh, uh, that could affect those funds? Sure. Well, Craig, it's a great question, okay, because I'm always worried about that. For example, let's say somebody wants to pay a premium for a gold trust or a silver trust because they know there's a shortage. They know there's a shortage. So they go in and, let's say, knock our 
Silver Trust up to a 5% premium and put in a redemption notice, in the full knowledge that there's a shortage of silver, yes, that could happen. I mean, it would benefit the unit holders because they're getting a, a higher premium on, on the trust. But uh, there's very few things we can do about that. I believe that we are instituting a procedure where large investors have a little more difficulty redeeming because, of course, we get people arbitrage it too, right? The, right. If it's trading at a discount, they'll they'll buy our units and and sell the gold and and ask for the, the gold in return. So we're trying to put in a situation where large holders, not small holders, but where large holders are, are it's a little more costly to do that. But quite frankly, if there was a dire shortage of gold. I would imagine somebody might think, well, let's go in and see if we can raid the spot funds. They got whatever, $3 billion of gold there, which is not a lot of money when you think about it, Craig. We have $80 billion going to the ETF already uh, this yeah. month. Yeah. So $3 billion is not going to make a hell of a lot of difference. But, you know, when people get desperate, they could do that. And, of course, I would, would not like that to happen. But in reality, there's nothing to prevent it, right? That if the premiums want to go up, then you can see that... Uh, Somebody might pay a premium to to get gold, which gold and or silver, which are in scarce supply. I would imagine if we get to that point, uh, we'll have other things that will be counterbalancing that, and we'll be very happy about. You know, if the if it, the world comes to that, we there, might be. We might. That'd be a pretty good we sign. Might very well be. Uh, and of course, the, the interesting thing, Craig, is if uh, if somebody doesn't sell the units, it's hard to redeem the units. Well, that's right. <laughs> you follow me. That's right. I mean, somebody has to sell a unit for a guy to be able to redeem a unit, and if everyone's sitting tight, it's you're not. Maybe you won't be able to buy too much of those uh, trusts because we're all having the sense that the best thing to do with gold is just to hold on. Silver, just hold on here, keep stacking. So, hopefully, the the supply would be limited. I like it. That's what my plan has always been. I know yours too, Eric. It's always a pleasure to visit with you, and I sense that by the time we talk next week. Lord knows how it's going to look by then, but for now, I want to wish you a great weekend, and thanks again for your time. Okay, Craig, all the best to you. And from everyone here at Sprott Money, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. 